Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Honk! Welcome to episode 128, (laughs) Standard Honks, as well as other uh, tales from SCG Philly. (laughs) So John actually, I gotta say, John actually put like, hey, I want the episode title this week to be Standard Honks. And I'm like, well, to be fair, I was actually going to use Honk as my opener anyway, and it worked. I was expecting it, and it's still still hilarious. Yeah, well, this is like, yeah, but he expected like, because I told him I was going to do it, but... Yeah, it's but yeah, still it's still great. Press still one, fantastic. press one in the chat, kids. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna talk about um, a little bit about SCG Philly, which is kind of the startup of a lot of the conversation because people are already decrying that standard is broken. It's been one week, people. Well, not, not, There's still time. Not broken, more just like ugly. Sure. Anyways. We'll get into that later. Also, I want to touch. On, I know we didn't put in the notes, but I do want to touch on a little bit of. Uh, some stuff that's going on with modern because I haven't really touched modern a whole lot lately, but yeah, there's some stuff to talk about modern. Before we start, um, quick eyes to the community. Uh, the reason why there's all this discussion about standards is because that is the format of Mythic Championship Five. Still don't like the name. That is happening not this weekend, but next weekend, October 18th to 20th. So we got two more weeks until we have that big major arena standard tournament. And we'll see how Standard um, develops after what happened at uh, SCG Philly, which, by the way, in case you forgot, was a Team Trios Constructed Tournament, not a strict Standard Tournament. So yeah. caveats do apply where you look at the top eight of the top eight of the uh, uh, Team Trios Tournament. Top, top four. Top four or whatever. But yeah. not the point. It's weird. <laughs> Anywho, uh, actually also want to say something, too. Uh, we don't have to worry about Mythic Championship much longer because it's players tour next year well there's the mythic championships which are the arena events and then there's the players championship or the the players tour which is the paper championship which i don't know if i like the diversifying of the names but it means we get to use ptq and pt again which is really all that matters well frankly i'm also happy i'm actually happy it's splitting up because you wouldn't you would have had it i'm glad you said arena tournament because i was like is mythic championship five in paper or is that an arena i didn't know because it doesn't nope, it's tell arena. you on the tin. Now we know, uh, which is kind of nice. But funnily enough, uh, speaking of players tour, the first place team at Philly actually qualified for Mythic Championship or a players tour. I forget which one. But SCG events now, if you win them, or team events, if your your team gets the invite. Yeah. And regular opens, the finalists get invites. So if you make yeah. the finals at a scg open congratulations you're going to the pt or mc and for the record uh mythic championship five if you go to the event information which i provided a link in the show notes below uh it does state that day one is a modified swiss where 64 players battle out up to seven rounds on magic magic the gathering arena with 24 players advancing to day two then the 20 then the day two is a 24 who then play in another another seven round swiss and all players that reach five match wins move on to day three, which is then a top eight double elimination bracket. Yeah. So, yep. But uh, so anyway, if we get moving on to stuff about Philly, 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 Philly. Yeah. Um, which is actually again not in Philly, but down in I guess you, it's King of Prussia. It's like King of Prussia slash Valley Forge held the the. I'm using air quotes, lovely and gorgeous uh, Valley Forge Casino. To be fair, the event space is actually nice. I cover this every time I talk about Philly because 
Yeah. Thanks, Yu-Gi-Oh players. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, uh, unlike last time in Philly, where I teamed up with uh, Pete and, and it was also Nick. Uh, <laughs> get that in a second. Uh, we we almost we had a win in it for day two and missed it, but this time uh, didn't go as well. And yeah. Anyway, so Nick couldn't make it from the last team because he was at a wedding this weekend and I was, so was going to be teaming up with Pete and an unknown and we were able to get John Simeon uh, probably butchered your last name John sorry about that it's a twin and win games on twin and win MTG uh, on Twitter I will put his thing down in the show notes uh, if you go see it John's a really cool guy he uh, placed he was a finalist at GP Vegas 2017 in Legacy but he was our modern seed because he plays modern these days and I was with Pete again. Problem is that Pete had a little bit of a... Well, he had something come up. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know if he's put it out there what happened or not. But Pete, unfortunately, was unable to make it after some last-minute unfortunate circumstance. Had to scramble. And we ended up bringing along my brother-in-law, Nick, uh, to the event. So one of my wife's little brothers uh, who took over our standard seat playing Mono Red. Uh, not the cavalcade version uh just the more spell-based one that uh, aaron barich was also playing uh because she was streaming with it and took it up to number one on mythic on arena so it has a little bit more play it's, it can't do the massive like oops i just chunked you for 18 points of damage on turn four but it can still hit a lot because torbrand's a heck of a magic card <laughs> yeah torbrand is a torbrand's a homie uh especially when you have uh what's it called flame spitter the, yeah, the one, one for one, the one one for one that uh, whenever you attack, it deals one damage to a creature. One or damage. Player. A creature. Or I think it's player or planeswalker. Player planeswalker. Yeah, but with Torbrand out, that's a bolt. <laughs> Literally, just for turning it sideways, it turns into a bolt, oh, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And then it also deals three damage, so it trades up nicely. Uh, he so uh, overall team wise, we unfortunately went two, three, and one. Uh, I'll talk about that one, that little tie at the end there in a second. But uh, we actually were technically 0-3-1 to drop. We figured after round four, well, we're basically dead to day two uh, because I believe X two and ones did make it into day two. So when we lost in round four, if we'd actually just won out the rest of the day and finished six, two, and one, we would have made day two. But mm-hmm. uh, going 0-3-1, we were like, well, I got nothing else to do. You got anything else to do? And none of us did. So we're like, Eh, for, screw it. Let's just uh, let's just get Nick some more tournament experience. He didn't get any more tournament experience, even <laughs> though we went two, three, one, which would indicate we won the next two rounds. But literally, we sat there for ten minutes and then went, "Judge, can you sign my sheet?" Because our opponents both no showed. Uh, they I guess lost and then figured up oh, we're dead. Let's just leave and forgot to mark the drop spot. So we got two free wins out of it. So thanks for the planeswalker points, whoever it was we were paired up against. Actually, funnily enough, one of those people uh, you might know recognize his name. It's John Capora mm. uh, from the TCG player uh, emails that you get regarding the most sold <laughs> cards and stuff. Apparently, we were Ooh, playing fun. his team in round six that just, I guess, forgot to drop. So, hi, John. <laughs> if you're out there, uh, you would have played us in round six. But uh, so I was on the legacy seat. Uh, I played four color Delver. Uh, John was in our modern seat. He played Mono Red Prowess. He had been toying around with a couple of different builds of the deck, ended up settling on Prowess. No Phoenixes or anything of that, just straight up get you good with the Prowess triggers. 
uh, Nick, I said was previously on mon- previously said he was a mono red. Uh, I went with four color over rug mainly due to card availability. Funnily enough, I, uh, so for me personally, I actually have all the cards for four color Delver, but I don't have all the cards for rug Delver. You figure <laughs> what, what are you missing? We'll figure. Well, hey, what happens? You're only three colors versus four colors. Well, it turns out uh, making the smart foresight to make sure I purchased at least one of every dual land uh, before they really hyper spiked three years ago uh, was pretty awesome in that I had a couple extra uh, underground seas and one badlands. So I didn't have to worry about the dual lands at all. And it turns out I just randomly had a couple uh, plague engineers I picked up out of packs, which those were like 20 bucks these days because it's a hell of a card. Uh, I was able to turn some moderator work into some store credit into my rest of my run and sixes, but the ones that were missing that you asked, I'm missing a second force of negation and hex mm. drinkers. I don't have either of those. Now I will say this, uh, some of the decks and I'll talk about this a little bit more toward later on, but rug Delver for a while used to be the, we'll call it the threshold version was running, you know, nimble mongoose and uh, hooting mandrels. I believe it used creatures. to be called Canadian Threshold yeah, it was way Can- back in It the was day. Canadian Threshold. So that version of Rug Delver was, or Stifle Delver, you know, four stifles, basically pure tempo kind of deck. Uh, switched away when Renin 6 came. People were testing out Hex Drinker and uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist in the other creature spots for that. Uh, you'll see Threshold playing sometimes a 3-0 or a 2-1 split of Mandrills and True Name Nemesis these days in the main. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've kind of shifted back to that is that the team that won spoiler alert had a stifle delver player in their legacy seat uh, mm-hmm. granted a very good stifle delver player in daniel Ayer, daryl Ayers, who actually wrote about uh, stifle your fetch land uh, it's an article we'll put in the show notes but it was like two th- it was like a couple weeks ago he wrote about stifle delver being actually a legit archetype still and surprise he did it um <laughs> Along with his teammates, I should say, because it's a team event. And I, so I personally went to one, two, and one in the rounds. Uh, that tie came in round one against the Delver Mirror. Because, so I was telling John about this. Uh, so I've, I've been coming to learn more and more that Legacy is very much a format, especially Delver decks are very much a deck where you could lose five, six turns ago. And you might not have even known it just based on your sequencing. Uh, however, I did learn my sequencing, and I even made a note. I lost on turn two of game one, round one, but I didn't lose until like turn ten, mainly because uh, I played an aggressive goif. I put two mana op- turn two on the play, played goif into an obviously open daze, and I walked right into the daze, even though I had a chance to go delver, and I had either a ponder or a brainstorm that I could have done to set the Delver flip and then had the third land in hand already. So I could have played Goyf next turn with mana for it to pay for a stif or uh, pay for a daze. And it kind of snowballed. I was never able to get my Delver down properly, flip it and do any damage to my opponent before really kind of just getting attritioned out with counter spells and burn and stuff like that and kill spells. I uh, ended up winning and then game two. and So game one took like kind of a, a long time because it was that just... He, they didn't really have a threat, and then they finally did, and I eventually lost a scoop for time because that first game took like 30 minutes or something like that. Mid-range mirrors are fun, kids. Uh, mm. I won a 
decent game too. Uh, opponent couldn't handle a, a big old goif of mine. And game three went to time. Uh, so I actually want to talk. I didn't put this in the notes. I do want to talk about slow play and not necessarily slow play, but kind of an aspect of team tournaments that you need to kind of keep an eye on if you are going to one is yes, you can consult with your teammates. However, that doesn't mean you can take two to three minutes talking with your teammates about stuff. Uh, so I mentioned game one went 30 minutes. Game two was a little quicker. Uh, by the time we were shuffling up and you know pulling out our first seven for game three, we had about seven-ish, eight minutes on the clock. They were going through sideboarding again between two and three and talking about stuff back and forth. And I was basically ready to go. And I'm like, hey, we need to kind of keep playing. You, get, you can't keep talking 20 seconds throughout your play kind of thing like that. And then the modern player who apparently I always talk to my teammates after the game was also kind of rude to their standard player. Like their standard player had drawn a card and she was basically going to be uh, before she could even make a play. If he was looking over her shoulder, he was already giving her hints and suggestions and stuff like that. So he seemed a little kind of controlly, but whatever. Anywho, uh, it went down to basically, I don't know. Uh, it was getting couple turns uh, we were really threatening to possibly go to turns because we were just staring down two different go two goifs on either side of the battlefield and you know they bounce into each other based because they're checking the same graveyard uh, configuration and it was just a kind of a stare down and every so often they would spend like 20 seconds talking i'm like hey we got to keep going and i never called a judge i really should have uh, that was a mistake on my part not being like hey i know we're allowed to consult with this but they're spending like an inordinate amount of time talking to each other about things where we're crunched for time and I want to make sure we at least try and get a game in. It went down two turns and I was like, the judge had come over by the end of it because, you know, we were one of the last teams, I guess, still playing in that area. So he came over to sit, check and see if, you know, we were still going. And he basically, or I was like, I had 15 life. My opponent had 18 and I didn't scoop to him because I was like, I play. I tried to play a threat on like turn one or right before turns happened and he killed it or bounced it away and all that stuff. So eventually by the time we had an empty board when it went to turns and I told him like, look, you got to deal 18 damage in one turn. And I know for a fact that Delver can't do that. You have no board state or anything like that. And he's, and he kind of like was saying like, oh, well, I mean, I was about to start playing this and you really had, didn't have a board state and he just stuck a goif and somehow he removed mine. I forget exactly the logistics of it, but it boiled down to, he was like, oh, well, I was going to eventually win if we had gone a couple more turns. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't do 18 damage. And then fortunately, John was like, well, no, we're just going to take a lot. We're going to take a tie because right now a tie is better than a loss in terms of records because we knew how big the tournament was. X2-1, X we were thinking was going to get in. So a tie early on wouldn't kill us, whereas a loss might eventually, like we would still have two losses to give as opposed to only one loss to give, essentially. That said, uh, I really should have just said to the guy, look, I told you you were talking too much. You could have had those three or four extra turns you needed to kill me from 15 or whatever. I said, yeah, he was at 15. Yeah, I was 15. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you needed 15 damage to me. He could have probably killed me for 15 if he had had three more turns. If I did not draw a threat and he was able to stick a goif that was checking five because it had a planeswalker in the yard as well as like, you know, planeswalker, creature, land, instant sorcery. So it was a five, six. He could have killed me in three turns if I didn't have a blocker or a way to remove it. He lost those three turns because he was talking to his, his buddy on his team too much. So 
it was definitely a case of like we're going to take this loss because you lost it for your you lost the win for yourself here. Uh, yeah, definitely not going to do that. Um, so that was against that was round one against Delver. Uh, John or not John? Yeah, John played a uh, burn, which is not a great matchup for Prowess because whereas Prowess needs to cast a bunch of little dinky things to boost their creatures up, a bunch like that. Burn is just like all right, I'll just point three at your face, and also using Prowess triggers and stuff like that. Plus. If they stick an Eidolon, oof, you better have a way to remove it or you're taking a lot of damage off that Eidolon trying to get your prowess triggers up high enough. So he lost that matchup. It wasn't great. I think Nick won his against Mono Red. I don't remember the rest of Nick's matchups for the rest of the way, but I do remember because he was on the far end because um, it goes legacy modern standard seat-wise. Uh, I think he played like an Oko deck or two and there was a... I think he played two Oko and one Golos after that. But John in round two played against Eldrazi Tron, which just absolutely goes way bigger than Prowess can, at least as a permanent on the battlefield without any additional help. Uh, really kind of hecked his day up there. And then he ran into double Amulet Tron or Amulet Titan, which is disgusting matchup for him, apparently. He actually almost had his opponent dead, and literally his opponent was straight up dead. And the only card that he was able to draw that would win him the game would be a bounce land or like a, one of those bounce lands. And he drew the bounce land, which had two amulets out on the board. So he was able to play to bounce land, get two tr untapped triggers. He would untap, tap for two, untap, and tap again. And it just generated enough mana to be able to stick a prime time and then just cook off for the win there. So literally opponent top decked what would have been a win there, which probably would have bumped us up to one and one. Or 101 in a, or no, we would have, that was game round three. So we would have been 111. Anyway, uh, round two for me, I'll just talk for us this. Uh, I played up against Zach Canner, who wrote an article on Hipsters of the Coast about uh, casting, uh, playing Teamer, or playing Delver, or playing Storm this weekend. And he opted for Teamer, Delver. And yeah, he pushed my face in. Uh, he was able to get threats down and I wasn't, he had the tempo, whereas I didn't. And yep, that's how it goes sometimes. Um, lost a quick two games to him. John also lost really quick to Etron, So that round was over rather fast. Whereas we went to time the one before we had like 30 minutes between that round. But here's the kicker. We, we finished with about 20, 20 minutes left on the clock and then proceeded to wait another 40 minutes after the round timer ended because Philly had a really, really bad instance of uh, there were some judge calls and other deck checks and stuff like that. I think that happened in between some of the rounds earlier on in the day that led to like a 40 minute mid round on the clock thing. It was not pretty. People were getting antsy. Been there, done that. Yeah, it was not to, it was like judge calls and stuff like that. I think is what boiled down to. It wasn't necessarily any kind of technical error. The only other time I've ever seen that kind of delay at an event that I've been at was due to technical issues with like uh, Wizard Reporter or event reporter were so this time it wasn't i think there was just like some calls that went long and either way uh round three i went up against black green lands which is kind of an okay matchup but also like very tricky and sequencing wise i'll talk about my classic experience in a little bit about how i messed up the sequencing there uh i had basically was able to get a delver on the battlefield and pressure my opponent in game one enough to basically it was like they went to 18 off of something and they were at 16 and then i chunked them for four and then i got them for they down 
down to 11 off of one, then nine and six and three then dead because I had a, uh, eventually they were able to take care of my Delver, but I was able to get a true name out and I had a bolt in hand. So I was like, oh, end step, bolt your face. Draw step was a bolt. I had a couple outs. I had um, gotten two goists on the battlefield and my opponent had popped their uh, Merit Lodge and they had the Elvish Reclaimer. Yeah, so I was actually I was actually alive to win that turn with five cards left in my deck. I had three bolts and two abrupt decays. Basically, I needed to either bolt to the face or abrupt decay to remove the Elvish Reclaimer and swing in for lethal with all of my goifs. So two goifs in a thing to deal lethal, but gotten there. Uh, game two, I got a wasteland running six lot rolling, and basically uh, he just my opponent had mulled a five and didn't want anything of it. He 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 made the mistake of basically looking at his five, putting him back and talking to his teammates. Well, you guys probably got this one. You're going to need to carry me on here. So I lead with the land. I aggressively wasteland him, I think, turn one. And my opponent proceeded not to draw another land for three or four turns. Uh, but by that time, I had run six up and had the, the wasteland lock ready to go. And I was going to stick a uh, true name nemesis and then just start going to town. He scooped to that. Uh, unfortunately, that was one where Nick got his opponent down to one with the Oko deck, and they had a goose out that was able to actually block, tap itself, make a food, eat a food, gain one, and then Nissa was going to plus a land to deal lethal to Nick. So unfortunately, he lost that one. And then that was the round where uh, John got his amulet person down to basically almost lethal, but they had to cook off the next turn, and they cooked off. Round after that, I got straight up gacked out of the game. Gackvine is a disgusting deck. Uh, I actually I lost 1-2 in that game. Uh, but the two games that I lost, I was essentially dead on board power-wise on turn two. Mm. Um, I had a chance to actually, in game three, I made a mistake where, and this is a weird one where uh, with Legacy, uh, I had to force, a, I, I had a chance to force of will a Hedron Crab on turn two and i should have force of will a hedron crab on turn two <laughs> as as funny as that sounds because i let the hedron crab go my opponent already played he played turn one land fetch underground sea hedron crab pass Ooh. i drew uh, i went and passed the turn back to him he played he went tap his one land play he, hedron crab on the stack if i counter it he only gets a look at potentially six cards out of his library because if he has a fetch land he can crack it get you know three or two triggers of three uh, by letting it go he got 12 so the first six was relatively benign um but he did have a uh vengevine in that first six so kind of a little scary there but no worries the next six were triple bridge and a hogak Ooh. and also a cabal therapy Oh, no. Yeah. So my opponent also had a Cabal Therapy in hand. So he went land, fetch, crack. When he got all the cra cracks out, he basically went, all right, tap that remaining one, cast uh, a Stitcher Supplier, putting three more in the yard, which dumped another, uh, what's it called in the yard? Cabal another Therapy. Another Therapy into the yard. So he sacks his Stitcher's Reclaimer to one Therapy, blind naming, I think it was, bolt or something like that i forget what he, the blind names were but he hit 
something. And then basically just was able to chain and pick my entire hand apart, all with a force of will sitting in hand. And he just got enough zombies off of three bridge triggers to be able to cast a Hogak, sack the Hogak, recast the Hogak. And it was, it was bad. It was really gross. And I literally had, I think, a Tarmogoyf on the battlefield. And I was counting it up and I'm like, even with trample damage, I'm literally just dead here to how wide he would go. I could be like, I could block your Hogak and still die to lethal damage. And it Ooh. was, it was very bad. And then I don't think John really, John just got whooped on a very fast Titan draw. And it was, that was game. Uh, I did, however, win game two because my opponent was stuck on one land for a couple turns. And uh, I just presented a quick clock of a Tarmogoyf and a Del Flip Delver. Uh, I've become a huge fan of Tarmogoyf. <laughs> my God, I love that card now. I see I see why people liked it. I never played it with it for a long time. And now that I have, I see why people and Jun players love it so. Because, my God, the value. It just dies. And to think it's really bad in modern right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good in Legacy when you can dump a, an artifact and a Planeswalker and stuff and get up to a 6-7. Ooh, so mm. spicy. <laughs> so we uh, we kind of did that. And Nick went to go try to play in a uh, standard challenge at 5 p.m. We So we timed it out. We're like, okay, if we don't play any opponent in the next round, you can still make it to the 5 p.m. standard challenge. So we went to go sign up for it before our round six started. Round six sits down. The 10-minute call happens at like 4.59. So 10 minutes in the round, we raise our hand, get the judge signed. But at the same time, while we're sitting there, they're saying, we need two more standard players to fire off our standard challenge event. <laughs> the standard challenge event did not fire. That oh, happened at oh. least twice more during the rest of the weekend where standard challenges did not fire due to not enough players. Well, well I have a theory on that. Well, and it's basically because it's release weekend and there's not enough people, not enough packs have been opened yeah. to get all the stuff. Oh, fully agree. That's why it was. Anywho, uh well, another thing that's not an issue with a team event, whereas if it had just been a straight-up standard event, people would have had the cards for it. Uh, I then decided to go do... I put Legacy Classic, but it was really just a Legacy Challenge because I didn't feel like playing nine rounds of Legacy. That's right. Nine rounds was the uh, Legacy Classic before the cut to top eight. That's That was a long day for those players. It's a lot of magic all in one day. For those players, yeah. Uh, so I just went to do a challenge, which is four rounds to get some tickets because why not? I ran up a quick 2-0 and then into a 2-2. Uh, I basically played, a, I felt very confident in my play against a sneak and show deck. Uh, game one, basically my opponent tried to hit two sneak attacks in a row and I had just counters for days. And then I was literally going to stick a Tarmogoyf the next turn and just start going to town on them with the Tarmogoyf. Mm -hmm. uh, the next game, I got a, a Delver flipped it was like turn three or something like that. I flipped a Delver and then I had three, four Goyf and my opponent had a rough draw where I like, I literally brainstormed and saw like enough to set up force of will pitch a blue card force of, or it was force of will pitch, uh, true name force of will pitch Leovold. Cause I didn't care. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Ooh, my, cause I had the board state. I had a flip Delver and a Goyf and what are they going to, what, what does, what does sneak and show have that can stop it? Nothing. I had yeah, not much. two hard counters in hand, ready to go. 
if they counter one counter, I just counter the other thing and then still bash and then they they were basically on a short draw. Uh, I beat post. Uh, I think it was twelve post two zero or I beat them th- I mean, about two three games. Uh, they got the lock. They just had a really quick start game two, but the other games I was able to get a wasteland and red lock loop going, and I had a goy for pressure. And the other yeah. game I just was able to get a better board state than they were. Uh, so the main thing I was talking about sequencing with legacy is oh my god, there's a reason why people sometimes have shied away from the four color decks is because your mana your mana base is not great. Um, as I like to say when I was grab going for it, I'm like they're like oh what are you grabbing a volcano? Like, no, nah, it's not a, it's not the best land. I'm like what do you mean? I'm like it's also not the worst land. It's just a bad land. Ah, wonderful. I know, right? Dad jokes. Yeah, love it. Yeah, but yeah, no bad. Um, there were times where I needed the constraints of a deck where you want to be have access to red a red green spell, a double blue spell, a soul tie spell, and a green black spell means you sometimes need to fetch hyper awkwardly. So usually, if you needed that kind of hyper awkward uh draw or land base, you would basically just go. Uh, turn you would fetch for a tropical island and a badlands if you absolutely needed all four colors of your mana that's how you would do it Um, because it lets Mm -hmm. you cast abrupt decay it lets you cast ran and six it lets you cast goif however i did that and in game three uh one thing about depths too is you better have a way to stop every last single way that they can trigger a um popping of their dark depths especially when your opponent has or you have a fetch land out or not fetch land a wasteland and your opponent also has a hex mage and also has a dark or a dark depths and a thespian stage and can use the dark depths to pay for mana because they also have an herborg out i should also mention that they crop rotated into this dark depths but but first they floated the mana off of another land they had to do so so they floated a mana to help pay for days. Um, because I did not fetch up, so I didn't need an actual black spell necessarily right then. I didn't need red, so I sh- I should have been I should have gone for a uh, oh what's the name of it an underground sea instead of the badlands to so give myself two because I had two dazes in hand that would give me two islands to use. I also had a tyrant scorn in hand, which if I had done that I would have had a blue and a black as well able to do that. And I also had a Ren, but I wanted, so I wanted Red for Ren, but to do that would have required a couple other loops to jump through with colors that I fetched for. I would have had to grab a, uh, a Volcanic Island if I went the Ren and Six route, but if I wanted the Tyrant Scorn for the bounce, I would have needed the Underground Sea. Either way, I needed a Blue Source, and I did not fetch a Blue Source for the Double Days. So if I Double Days the initial crop rotation and they pay for it, the, I have one extra turn where I can untap and at least be able to do a tyrant scorn or something or have a tempo play like with a vapor snag but because i didn't have the blue to pay for it because i tried to kill off their thing and start or try to kill their hex mage to start the chain and i could have wastelanded it was it got hyper messy and basically i ended up one way short of stopping their combo and they got the uh, uh what's it called they got the merit lodge and then i was on my turn so i had to pass the turn and then they basically just did that if you're if you're going to try and pop a rent a merit lodge do it on their turn at the end step if you can act inter, interact at instant speed so that way you don't have to uh basically tap out of stuff where i should have let them pop it but they had a bob and a 
hex mage and they were pressuring me life total so i i got a little worried i probably could have had a little more give and take with my life total than i did i tried to trigger it a little too early um again stuff learning the deck it's very complicated with these mid-range decks and then game three around so i lost that one went to one and two and then i we we ended up playing i knew my opponent was on jun nick fit because they were the last team last table playing and in the the pod the round that round three so we got to watch the end of that game where they just had planeswalkers for days and it was it was a nick fit pseudo mirror match which is gross it was jun versus obzon so we uh yeah it was it was kind of rough uh my own my opponent was the only one who did not want to just split prizes so he's like yeah i just want to play it out and i'm like all right fine everyone else around us was splitting prizes but still playing so we put 100 tickets basically on the table because it was 294 uh three and one for two one one it was 190 and then for two two it's 90 tickets so basically it's 100 tickets swing from where we would have if we'd split tickets so that kind of made me sad but then round I, we basically got to game three and i kept a sketchy one lander that had a thought season in it so i could rip something away but i thought season i see a wasteland and i'm like well this is not going to go well they wasteland me the next turn and i proceed not to draw land for seven turns and i had done i've done amazingly well in my over my career to like get better at not tilting out i used to tilt really hard really easily and it takes a lot to tilt me out and despite losing a lot this past weekend, I just was like, meh, whatever, no big deal. No war off my back, still having fun playing Magic. It's cool. But this loss, because I kept a bad one-lander hand off the back of just being able to play one of my cyborg cards to try and maybe stop him down and slow him down while exposing myself to a wasteland in a lands deck, it was a bad choice. And I just got mad at myself for not making better play and then mad at my opponent because funny enough, like he didn't want to play, he, he wanted to play it out to not to get the tie. We ended up like, I ended up by not drawing any land for seven turns. I scoop with two minutes left in the round, in the round. Had I mounted any kind of defense, it would have gone to that draw anyway. So that's what really got my goat. Um, it was not great. Uh, I will admit that I kind of just like did not say if I say good game. But yeah, thanks for the thing. We'll go get the tickets. Let me just pack my stuff up. So I packed it all up in silence, walked up to the thing in silence, didn't talk to my opponent or anything like that. Uh, I I do not like the, f I do space not like the fact that I was so off put at the end there. I'm trying not to let that ever happen, but it did. And I'm, you know, I went up to it. It wasn't a good look, but you know, something to improve on for the future. So other than that, it was, so I, I guess over the weekend I went, was it? three four and one not my best showing uh i had gone three and one at fnm well went at wednesday night legacy which wasn't bad with four color uh i i still feel like there's a lot that i need to learn with delver to get more comfortable with the deck i might just try the stifle versions as well because that's the flavor du jour these days um like three of the top five or six teams had stifle delver decks basically yeah even Andrew Beckstrom was there. He they finished seventh. Matt Nass, and uh, Andrew Beckstrom and Josh McClain. They they also of the decks of the top three or four teamer Delver decks that existed in the final day two stats. Through the top three were all playing Stifle in them. So we'll I'll test that out. I have those decks. Um, but yeah, overall fun tournament. Thanks Star City. Uh, besides the hiccup with the clocks, well done at Philly, as always. Looking forward to some of the next tournaments, which they, oh, SCG also announced their remaining, their schedule for the next year. 
And I basically got Philadelphia in February, Baltimore in March, and Philadelphia in May. Because everything else is way too far away. <laughs> like, I could... Travel is a concern. Yeah, I'd try not to go more than five hours. I mean, actually, that's not entirely true. There's there's Richmond. So that's like three hours. Yeah. That's like a two-hour drive away. So I could probably swing Richmond as well. So I'll play Richmond, like, Richmond into Philadelphia back-to-back weekends. We'll see what uh, yeah. those are. Because they haven't announced the formats for those yet, but... We do know that the first one of the year is Team Modern in Columbus. Then Knoxville has Modern, so that's kind of close to you, right? Uh, where Knoxville? Yeah, Knoxville's pretty close. It's like uh, two, three hours. Yeah, January eleventh to twelfth, Modern. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, and Louisville. Pretty and Louisville's by. in May, so I don't know how far that's from you. Probably a little bit further. Uh, Louisville. It's about another like three, four hours. Yeah, that's just that's in May bit. though. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, travel is a huge consideration, but I love the fact that. I've been trying to jam as much SCG in the Philly in in well Philly area, but also DC area that I can while I'm out here. So definitely taking advantage of that for sure, because there's no other tournament circuit like it uh, in the U.S. In terms of, I guess you they're not quite the minor leagues, but the, no. the, ju- the junior circuit. I think that's kind of um, I think that's kind of what it is. Like it's I think the best I think the best analogy would be closer to like Premier League. So it's like Europa League then. Yeah, basically, like there's the Premier League, and then there's like the Premier League Two, which is the relegation league or whatever. But anyways, we're we're extending this metaphor a little bit a little bit long. Either way, it's not quite minor leagues, but it's definitely the step down. But it's still great. Like it's tournament magic. It's solid tournament. Like I said, you can qualify for the PT now. Like and it's legit. There's, and there's coverage. Yes, very good coverage. I should say their coverage team is anyways. amazing. Anywho, we'll move on yeah. to. So I mentioned. Uh, some of the things going long, and I know we kind of touched briefly on it. But John, I've been talking yeah. a lot. Have you, you been, have, have you been looking at standard lately? I I have not been looking at standard in depth, but I do know that there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of kind of people who are really upset. And one of my one of my good friends, uh, Will, uh, he actually streams uh, Magic Arena on uh, Truax on Twitch. Uh, he's he tweeted out not too long ago. I'm not going to play best of three until Golos Field of the Dead is banned because it's all Golos Field of the Dead. Because we thought that Scapeshift leaving would make Field of the Dead, which was, for those of you who remember, it's a land comes into play tap, taps for colorless. And if you play a land and you have seven or more different names from among your lands, you make a 2-2 zombie. Now, in Scapeshift, you just did that. You made a bunch of things and then you we went on with your life. Apparently, Golos Field of the Dead is just much more grindy, much more, it's Planeswalker centric, it's ramp spell, you get all these lands into play, and you play Golos, which is 5 mana, 3, 5, when it comes into play, you search a library for a land, put it into play tapped, and then you can pay 2 Wooburg to exile the top 3 cards of your library, and you may play you may play them this turn for without paying their mana costs. Um, and so they're, the, they're these, like, Bant Golos decks, which are technically 5 color decks, so you can activate Golos, and it plays things like Oko, Teferi, card draw spells just it, it's just very very grindy games which is what standard is looking like right now it's like i was you know checking up on some things and one person said you know standard's very grindy right now mono red is not a good deck because every like any deck that's playing these adventure cards have these built-in two-for-ones like there's murderous rider which is the obvious example but then there's also you know um bone crusher giant which has the shock and it's also just a four three so there's well, there's not, just a lot of these right, look, two for one. It's ones not just a four three though. It's a four three that when it gets targeted shocks your opponent who targets yes. it. It's pretty good. Well, it also shocks you if you decide to pump spell it, but not not the point. 
Uh, I, would, so, I would say this though, like I want to counterpoint this real quick. Nick yeah. actually liked the mono red deck he was playing because it had a little more play against some of these Golos decks that could get out quickly to impossibly kill your opponent before yeah. the Golos deck had the way to establish itself. And yeah, which it. is how which is how I envision you try to beat this deck because you try to beat them before Golos even matters. Yeah, that's that's what Nick. Uh, that's, that's the what way Nick's that... plan was. Plus, he didn't have a whole lot of time to test, and mono reds kind yeah. of is, I guess, up his lane. Yeah. As a, as a fellow mono red player, I can definitely appreciate that. Now, the problem with mono red. And that's the problem that we're going to get to, which I think is going to take up the breadth of our conversation. Um, well, A, people want people are already calling for Field of the Dead's ban. It's one week. We got two more weeks for the Mythic Championship. If it's truly a problem before the Mythic Championship, Wizards will make an action. They won't like it, but they'll, they will because they've shown the willingness to do so. Um, but no, Actually, uh, brief, brief aside, a, a ban and restricted announcement came and went this past week. Yeah. No changes. Yep. Carry on. Yeah, no, no changes. Here. Anything, even though maybe Popper, they should definitely be keeping an eye on that because Astro. We could have an entire podcast on the. Oh Popper no, no, no! Bands. I'm just mentioning briefly <laughs> for the folks at home who might not be up on it. Astrolabe plus yeah. Arkham's Astrolabe plus Ephemerate, Ephemerate in a Tron Flicker decks. It's gross. It's disgusting. Go look at the decks. It's not fun. Let's just Next. let's just say that a format that has already been that has been dominated by Flicker effects did not need a better Flicker effect. Yeah. And a way but to anyways. basically get perfect mana. So, anywho. Um, but now, the, the discussion now about standard and other formats, which we'll kind of extend through here, and why I think red is maybe not in a good position right now, is because, uh, quote-unquote, Oko is Broko. Um, we spoke about Oko a little bit during uh, the our little set review of the cards that we were interested in. And there's been a lot of discussion but that turn two Oko is really oppressive. Uh, namely on the back of Gilded Goose, which we also spoke about briefly. Honk. Um, because, <laughs> because, you know, you took, you turn one goose, you make a food token. The next turn you play Oko, you either tick Oko up to six and make another food token. So your goose will tap for mana next turn. Or if your opponent had an early start and has a threat that you need to invalidate, you can just plus one him instead and turn that into just a three, three elk. And then you you have these kind of games that then progress there. But, like, you play Oko on an empty board. I can't imagine there's many ways that you're going to lose that game. Um, and so I was looking at it just from a, you know, from a perspective of, okay, I've played very few games of Standard. I only played the uh, Standard Play What You Want event once. I didn't even play the the one where you could win every, win every card in Standard. And, you know, you play Oko on turn two. You take him up from four to six. You make a food token. You say go. What is a deck supposed to do to combat this? Because I play anything. If I play a creature that doesn't have haste, that my opponent doesn't want to stick around, they can either, you know, if they're playing like a black green deck or a black white deck, they'll have like Mortify or Assassin's Trophy to get rid of it. Or if it's something else, that Oko can just, you know, turn it into an elk. And now, you know, Oko's now up from six to eight now. Or not, well, six to seven, I should say, or five to six. And then it's just really hard to kill the Oko. Now, the big thing that I've seen is, you know, there's a lot of people who are upset. And I know you tweeted out or retweeted someone who was like, I put five power into play on turn three and I still can't kill this Oko. Yeah, you could be on the play, put five, pa- have five power out and not be able to, like you could, uh, what's it called? The adventure, the beast. Oh, questing yeah, beast. Yeah, you could like. Or love struck beast. beast. You can love struck beast on turn. You can make the one one, send him on the adventure. Make him on turn three, and you're still not going to be able to kill Oko if it resolves on turn three. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could. Now, you could kill it right off the bat, but you'd have to use your 1-1 one, one as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but even then, you know, and then that's that's assuming the Oko is making a food token instead of turning your beast from a 5-5 five, five to a 3-3. Oh, three. it's making the 5-5 five, five into a 3-3 three, three for sure. And then you're going to only be yeah. able to hit it for 4, um, putting it down to 2, and it's still not dead. And putting on my, like, game designer hat, I'm thinking about, okay, well, what are the safety valves in place to deal with Oko, right? And the first thing that came to mind is, well, they printed Fry in Core 2020, which is one in the red instant. Uh, this spell can't be countered. Deal five damage to a planeswalker or creature that's red or blue, or no, red, not red or blue, white or blue. So what does what does Fry do? When it was printed, it killed Teferi Hero of Dominaria if it ticked up, and it killed Teferi Time Raveler if it ticked up. You know, and it killed both and, very important. And it killed Narset when she ticked killed down. Killed Narset, kill, but even yeah, before it even ticked down, kills killed a lot of different things. And I'm looking at Fry and I go, well, you can deal five to a blue planeswalker and look at Oko who's blue, and I go, but Fry can't answer Oko. For me, I think there should have been – I don't know if there was consideration in Wizards. I'm not – I don't live in Seattle. I don't have any you know close friendships with anyone in there. And plus, they're not going to talk to anybody outside of Wizards right now. Right. The metagame is still too new. I, I, like if I ever get the chance to ask someone who is working on Throne of Eldraine, be like, why doesn't Oko die to fry after he takes I would him? love to see you – know, you know, they sometimes will show like, hey, here's some of the f- case file – or from the files or whatever. Well, here's the thing. They did the M files last week for white through black. This upcoming week, this Friday, is going to be red through uh, oh, so we, so oh, so we Oko do. might show up this okay, week. Okay, good. I was wondering where you got the M file for that. But here's the thing. Like, there's so many things you could do to tweak Oko that would like absolutely kick his power level down. Make him four, make him two green blue. Make him come in at three loyalty. Or you could make his make a food token or what's it yeah the food tokens the top is top plus right yes make his food token not plus two but plus one and then make his turning a creature in or turning anything into a elk, elk be like a minus one like since when is a protection minus or a plus one like that well like so i i will defend oko's costing and abilities costing okay. um mainly because i do think playing oko early is interesting yeah i think that Making a food token is a very easy plus two because I think at a, at a plus one that would be underwhelming. Right, and I think that turning a creature into a three three as a plus one is also fine because if you do it on a small thing, which is more than likely what's going to be played in the early games, you're actually giving an upgrade. Yeah, especially to like an opponent's thing. Uh, whereas on the flip side, if you're doing it to your own things, you're 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 taking up for protection, which is not an unreasonable thing to see on planeswalkers. Little unreasonable to see on a three mana planeswalker, but you still need something in play, right? And if you play Oko on turn two off of say a gilded goose, the the only thing you can turn into the elk is the goose, and the goose is tapped, which then allows an opponent to attack it. And I'll defend that. And then the minus five, which is the kind of the ultimate, I'm not really sure of where to kind of look at that. I can see how you know you tick up to make the food, then you minus five to t- trade the food for like your opponent's best creature or whatever. But even then, it's restricted to power three or less. I'm not. I don't care as much I, about those costings, especially with the minus five ability being limited to only stealing creatures of power three or less. Yeah, I honestly don't see that minus five really ever being used ever. You're just taking Oko up. Yeah. So I would again, I would love to to you know get in the minds of the of the designers and play design because like they it, everything about Planeswalkers is a very conscious decision, um, and they make all those decisions. Now, whether those decisions are correct or incorrect, they let the player base kind of determine that by how everything plays out, yeah. you know? So, but even then, that's Oko in standard. Now yeah. we get to open up the goodie box 
Well, before we talk before about we Oko talk about in... other formats, I want to kind of start this off with a with a medium, a hot, and a crazy take by former uh, pros of pros yeah the pros pro tour Konzatarkir champion Ari Locks. Ari Locks. This was these are some nice takes. They're so medium take of the top eight planeswalkers of all time. Over half are from 2019. I've seen his top eight list that he referenced, and that is, I think that's Do accurate. We have it. I'll pull it up. Oh, I ha- I can get it handy, but just give just give me a second. Keep yeah, talking. Can... Oh no, I found it. Uh, okay. Jace the Mind Sculptor, Narset three yes. mana Narset. Yep, the one recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of Reveals, uh, Renin Six, Oko, mm-hmm. Liliana mm-hmm. of the Veil, mm-hmm. Karn. He doesn't say which Karn. I think this is Karn Liberated. Lot liberated. I think this is this is Tron Karn. Three fair, three minute to fairy. Mm-hmm. And Dak Faden. Yeah. And he, he says, I can see two to five in any order and can see any of eight, six to eight sneaking up to five. Yeah. So that's a pretty powerful planeswalker list. And half of them are 2019. Here's his hot take. Yes. Jace the Mind Sculptor might be the only pre-2019 planeswalker in the top five. Now in his top five, he also, he does have Liliana of the Veil, which is a pre-2019 planeswalker, but you know, he did still matches up with his roughly. He did thing. say anything in that mid range could shift around numbers wise. And yes. now for the crazy take. In a year, JTMS, Jason Mind Sculptor versus Oko versus Three Men and Narset will be in an argument for the best of all time. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see if that pans out. That is, but a, again, that we is got... a bonkers take. I'm not going yes. to say he's not wrong, but I feel like Renan Six honestly needs a consideration in that mention. Well, all right, Renan, we can have Renan that debate Six later. Very much a weight on. We have our t- we have our topic for next week. Yeah, <laughs> debating Ari Lax's let's thing. Talk about, but this. let's talk, let's keep focusing on Oko because, like I said, we opened the box for Oko in older formats, right? And I was like, I kind of brushed, I personally, and that's my mistake, kind of brushed Oko off as oh, just a standard thing. Sure, he's three mana, but he makes a food token. That's never relevant. He turns something into an elk. That's rarely relevant, and the stealing thing is isn't really relevant either. Well. In modern against burn, he's just plus two counter your lightning bolt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's really good. And then also, um, one of the people who I speak magic with quite frequently on one of the discords I'm on, he's a he's a, a dedicated merfolk player. And he's like, you know what Oko does? He turns off Ensnaring Bridge. Yep. You know what merfolk can't beat? Ensnaring Bridge. <laughs> well, I sent you. I like, sent you. Oko does so much. Yeah, I sent you a link earlier right before we started the show. Uh, someone's tweet. And he loved to see it. Oko's great in Legacy. Um, it's a clip from just like an a- game action for Magic Online. White faces cast Sword to Plowshares, targeting Chalice of the Void. You're wondering how that might happen. Well, he turned Chalice of the Void into a, f- a creature, and then Swords the Plowshares, the Chalice of the Void creature. Yeah. Then there's also someone yeah. else replying with a ensnaring bridge blocks food token. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's wait, what is even happening anymore? Like the fact that I I shared those and someone was like. The ensnare bridge being able to block is kind of apt. It does look like it's alive. It, it is. It's a. Sh- it's a it's kind of like a shift stone or a fl- a flow stone. Flow, flow stone, stone or something yeah. along those lines. Uh, but regardless, man, like modern, we yeah. it's it's seeing some. So I'm looking at MTG Goldfish, the Oko Thief of Crowns, uh, page, and the recent decks using Oko Thief of Crowns. It doesn't even list the legacy deck, but it's been showing up in Rug Delver list in Legacy as a one of. Yeah. Because of stuff like you just saw. So Bant Stone Blade, Urza Outcome, which by the yep. way, Paradoxal Outcome is no longer just for vintage. It's a dang modern deck and it's disgusting. 
Yeah, I watched LSV stream it uh, last night on October 8th, or October uh, 7th, excuse mm-hmm. me, and it looked pretty good. Uh, Paradox, it's it's pretty it's pretty gross. Anyway, uh, Wurza running in. Uh, there's a four-color copycat deck that's been actually been putting up some results, some 5-0 results, and some modern challenges on Magic Online yep. over the last couple weeks. And finally, a it's just a Bant deck. I think it's just basically... It looks like just it, it's probably good in Soul Herder. It's got Stoneforge, Giver of Runes, Hierarch, Ice Fang, Quaddle, Deputy Detention, Ranger, Aos Captain, Spellcaller. It's basically like Bant Trade Bind. It's oh, ba- a bit like a Bant. It's Bant Trade. Bant trade yeah, Bant Trade Binder is what people were calling it. I think is a nickname for it. It, it there's uh, only one that shows up with it, but Bant Trade Binder. We like to Fairy Path Collected Company. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's a uh, it's showing up wonder... in like formats, man, and it's. It's doing work. I wonder if Oko's good in the infected sideboard. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> like, those, um, those, minute, those times where you need to basically be like, F it. We're just turning something into a food, and we're just going to ham on a, on an opponent with a like a 4-4, four, 5-5 four, five, five food token. Give it trample. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine putting rank, Rancor on a, a food token? It's so big. <laughs> it's so meaty. <laughs> but oh um, my god just getting food tokens triggering exalted just has me like yeah. putting my f- so into my head no you turn a f- wait, wait, so, wait wait you turn a food into a worm with scale up yeah there we go <laughs> oh my god i hate where i'm going with um, this but anyway it, uh, you, it's, now, bad, it's again, bad to make your infect creatures that because it loses infect yes don't do that um so again repeat after me three mana planeswalkers printed at rare and above always see play yeah I mean, always. Even even three minutes, Arcan sell some play in yeah. standard. And uh, there's also the Royal Scions, which have not had their day in the sun right now because, again, as we've previously determined, that Oko is Broko. Um, well, actually, it's fun. I was actually talking with someone. I'm like, we also have another three mana Planeswalker that basically upticks to five loyalty in the set, which is the Royal Scions. However, you're literally either just looting or you're giving something plus one and trample, I think it is. Plus two, plus oh, first strike and trample. Yeah. It's pretty good when you put that on a uh, a phoenix, though. Yeah, I would I would argue that the royal sounds are pretty good F- in phoenix. Five two first strike trample. Yeah, well, the phoenix decks that do exist, which trust me, kids, I played it. They're not great, really. It's missing dive down and it's missing spell pierce, and those those cards were underhand. Just play white for Teferi and God's willing. Oh, it's, God, the it's mana fun. base though, it's so bad. <laughs> the mana is going to be really bad. Yes. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's it's. Well, I really, 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 really hope that. I mean, I've seen some of. I've seen Brad Nelson make some of the points of like, it's early, guys. Let's still, you know, let's wait. There's still stuff to find. I will trust Brad Nelson talking about standard till the cows come home. But until Brad Nelson becomes bad at magic, I'm going to trust Brad Brad Nelson when it comes to talking about standard. Yeah, uh, I really, really hope. I'm holding out hope beyond hope that. In fact, we will actually get a pretty decent standard out of this because, man, last standard was like once we had the answers to, you know, to fairy and stuff like that. It was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, the last couple, yeah, the last couple, we, standards, we had we had the three months of scape shift. Ravnik, Ravnik and standard was pretty decent. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm hopeful, of course. Um, but I mean, we've got Theros in the fall, or not in the fall, in the winter. Then we've got um, Ikoria. Ikoria, I was trying to remember that. I remember being with IK, you know, in the spring. Then we've got Core 2021, which is going to be Teferi-based, so we'll see. Yay. 
And then we got Return to Zendikar back next year in the uh, fall. Zendikar um, Rising? Return to Return to Zendikar. Yeah. If people are going to make the Return to Return to Ravnica jokes, I'm going to make the Return to Return to Zendikar jokes, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean... Spoiler alert, I hated that joke, but... It was not a... Still going to make it. I mean, I'm just glad they said that we're going back to Adventure World, to be perfectly fair with you. Also that. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, I think we we organically came across our, across our topic next week of, I guess, ranking our top eight, ten planeswalkers and debating Dude. it. Dude. Oh, I gotta do homework. Lame. <laughs> I know. Anyways, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us. Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do you so? You can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. If you guys had followed me, you would have seen me tweet out my four-color deck list. That deck list, by the way, is also in the show notes. Um, if you want to check it out, some of the sideboard. I was like 18 cards for the sideboard, so eh, there's there's some wiggle room in there. Anywho. Uh, you guys can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. Hey, now that, uh, speaking of Twitch, by the way, uh, they announced it at TwitchCon, but I got the email today that affiliates are starting to get ad share revenue now. So, yay. Hey. That's more of an incentive to stream, but I also apparently need to report it at work. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, but also look for me there. I'll probably be playing more Legacy these days because, hey, not sponsored, but Mana Traders is great, kids. You can rent decks. In this case, I'm renting like $300 worth of Magic cards for. $30 a month, if that. Mana traders, give us a call. Yeah. Hey, have your people reach out. To, I mean, <laughs> seriously, if I could get like a mana trader like sponsorship, hey, what's up? I'll stream I'll stream magic online more. I mean, we need more of that in these days with people streaming arena all the time. Anyway, yes. uh, stay, keep tuned for streams. I'm actually going to be trying to push streaming a little bit more because life is kind of actually freeing up a little bit more free time these days, which is kind of great. Um, hopefully I don't die this weekend. I'm in the army 10 miler. So Ooh. I'm opting to run 10 miles, which is, I mean, I figure that this is a, a decision that you made for yourself. Uh, this is the bed you've made. So time to sleep in or should say Ian back in May registered for it. And I didn't run as much as I should have ahead of time, but I'm still in decent shape. So I will be fine. It's just, I'm not running for time. I'm running to completion. Yeah. Say I did it anyway. Hopefully I'm not dead. That's why I was like, oh man, homework. Eh, I'm going to be, dead from running 10 miles anyway john where can they find you you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 this day to be ily 129 you can also find me on twitch at the same handle uh if you see me in a chat don't hesitate to say hi i've been mainly tweeting about cube recently and like i'm seriously considering now adding oko but i'm still not sold yet we'll see how i feel you know in the coming weeks and months. i don't know i've don't, been doing it about you but i appreciate your cube tweets they're nice yeah i Listen, I, someone has to talk tweet about Cube that's not Cube April, although she tweets about a whole bunch of other stuff. But, um, and then I'm also kind of, you know, still playing Storm and FNM. Um, my, my results recently have not been as good as I would like them to be, but, you know, sometimes you just run into bad matchups in 1-3. But anyways, if you want to reach us, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mice, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemice at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we could best improve the podcast for you, our lovely Honk. listeners. Honk. Honk. <laughs> On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.